Hi, you're listening to WRBH Reading Radio for the Blind. This is the Public Affairs Show. I am Carl Arredondo, former chief meteorologist for Channel 4 and now a certified orientation and mobility specialist. I have RP, retinitis pigmentosis, meaning I am visually impaired. I have no peripheral vision and a very small central vision. We'll talk more about RP and other conditions in a little bit. This show is going to be more about visual impairment 101, how the sighted world can act and assist someone with a visual impairment. So I'm going to go through a lot of information here to give you an idea of how you can assist someone that has a visual impairment. First off, what is a visual impairment? We've heard that term more in recent years, but it can refer to several things. A person can have low vision or no vision. No light perception is what we say in the, uh, in the uh, orientation and mobility specialist uh, field. So low vision can be a couple of things. Low vision can be poor acuity, meaning that you don't see clearly. You know, those are the numbers you hear a lot at the uh, doctor's office, 2020, 2040, 2300. That's how clearly you see. So your acuity is better if you're closer to the 2020 uh, range. Now, a person can still have poor acuity, but still be able to move around and get around uh, on their own. They may not need assistance. You also have poor field of vision. That is my issue where I don't see a lot around what I'm looking directly at. So your field of vision is, for instance, if you put your hand straight out to your sides, that's about 180 degrees. That's kind of where a normal person would be able to see from the sides if they're looking straight ahead. So you put your arms closer together towards in front of your face and your field of vision gets restricted. So my field of vision is about three to five degrees, meaning I don't see my hands until they're pretty much directly in front of my face. So my field of vision is a very small central vision. I give an example like this. If you would take two toilet paper tubes, empty rolls, put them to your eyes and walk around like that for a little while, that's kind of how I see or someone sees with poor field of vision or low field of vision. I see directly what I'm looking at. So if I saw your face and you're putting your hand out to shake my hand, I don't see your hand. And that's happened to me many, many times. And it will still happen to me many times because people don't realize sometimes if they don't know me that I have poor field of vision. Sometimes somebody has both poor acuity and poor field of vision. So it could, it could be both those as well. So vision impairment means someone has trouble seeing. So how does somebody get around with uh, visual impairment? There are different ways. Somebody may have enough functional vision that they can move around on their own without any real assistance. They have enough vision that they could walk down the sidewalk or go to uh, their neighbor's house. They're, they're able to still travel on their own. Someone may need a dog guide. You see somebody with a dog guiding them through the streets or around a building. Someone that uses a dog has to go through extensive orientation and mobility training. All right, there's that, those, those words again, orientation and mobility, O&M for short. That is what I do. I went to school to learn how to be an orientation and mobility specialist. We are instructors that teach someone with no vision or low vision 
how to travel safely and independently using a white cane. So someone with a guide dog has to have that O&M training first before they can even get a dog guide. That's because, say you see someone walking down the street using a dog and they're crossing the street. The dog does not know when to cross the street. The dog does not see the red or green light and know it's safe to travel. That is the person telling the dog when to go. That person has to go through extensive training in listening to traffic, traffic analysis, knowing when it's their time to cross by listening to traffic patterns. That is part of orientation and mobility. That is what we teach when we teach people to cross streets, to listen to traffic, to know when it's their time to cross by the traffic patterns. So someone with a dog has to have extensive orientation and mobility training. Then you have someone traveling maybe using a human guide or a sighted guide is what it used to be called. That's when someone is assisting someone moving through a, a sidewalk into a building by the person with the visual impairment holding on to the person guiding them. So if you wanted to help someone guide them, say you're a waiter, and this is something that I think all businesses should train their employees how to guide someone with a visual impairment. Human guide or sighted guide. We never want someone to grab someone with the visual impairment and start pulling at them or moving them in a direction that they need to go. You always ask permission, first of all, before you even touch someone with a visual impairment because you want to let them know that you're about to touch them. But the, the uh, official way, the correct way of guiding someone is you let that person with the visual impairment hold on to your elbow. So you don't want to be the one pulling and moving and pulling them and pushing them through uh, doorways or into a, a, a crowded uh, restaurant. You want them to guide. You want them to hold on to you. So if you're someone that is offering assistance, you say, would you like me to take you to your table? Or would you like me to take you to the doctor's office? Then the person has the option to say, yes, please do, or no, thank you, I'll follow you. But if they want assistance, then you let them grab the back of your elbow like they're holding a glass or with their hand forming the letter C. And they're probably about a half a step behind you as you're walking. So when you're walking, you kind of want to give them an idea of where they are. We're walking past the water fountain or we're walking through uh, rows of tables so they can have an orientation of where they're at. Remember, orientation and mobility. It's to be oriented in the space around you by knowing what's around you. And mobility is moving around safely from one point to another. So you can definitely let them know where they are as you're traveling in a restaurant or in a hallway or through a doctor's office. So you let the person with the visual impairment hold on to your elbow. So if you're a waiter or a, a hostess or a host at a restaurant and you notice somebody coming in with a visual impairment or with a white cane, or you know that they do have trouble seeing, you can offer to guide them by letting them hold on to your elbow and you guide them through uh, the uh, restaurant or through the office or wherever it is that you need to take them to. So first, it's a dog guide traveling on their own, human guide. The next thing is the white cane. That is something that you see and you associate with visual impairment. The white cane is a form of travel that is taught by an O&M specialist like myself. 
The white cane is an extension of that person. They use that white cane to get information about their surroundings. The white cane can give them information by touch, what the cane is touching, or by sound, what the sound makes, what the cane is hitting against, the surface. So that is giving the person with the visual impairment lots of information about their surrounding and where they're traveling. The white cane is a cane that is two-thirds white and red at the bottom. The bottom third is red. That is an indication that someone with that white cane has a visual impairment. That white cane gives that person the right of way no matter where they are when they travel. Crossing a street, on a sidewalk, in a building. There is a white cane law across the country. Every state has one. Louisiana has one as well. That person with a white cane has the right of way no matter where they are. So if someone's on the sidewalk, you would give them the right of way, even if they're on the left side of the sidewalk moving towards you. You would let them continue walking in the direction they're traveling, and you would move out of their way. Now, as I've walked down sidewalks of New Orleans and and uh, many areas of the South Shore, I can see people approaching me in, in crowds, and as they see me approaching, they part like the Red Sea. So they definitely give me the right of way as I'm walking. Sometimes I've seen people actually walk off the sidewalk into the street until I pass them and they're back on the sidewalk. Well, that's a lot of room to give, but that's still giving that person the right of way on the sidewalk. So remember, if you see someone with a white cane, give them the right of way. Let them travel on their route that they're moving without having to make them move out of your way. So the white cane law, that person has the right of way, especially crossing streets. Many times I've been in the middle of an intersection with a client and cars will turn right on red right in front of us, even though we're in the middle of the intersection. So if you're a driver and you see someone with a white cane, always make sure to give them the right of way no matter what they're doing. And remember, if you honk at them and try and wave at them to tell them to cross, they may not be able to see you. So they may want to wave you on to let you go so they, they can wait for all's quiet in the traffic pattern. So the white cane. Now, how do you act around somebody that has a visual impairment? Because sometimes you may not be able to, to tell that someone has a visual impairment. I've seen many times my clients, their eyes look normal and they don't wear dark sunglasses, but they don't see at all. And you may just assume that they can see because their eyes look normal or they don't have dark sunglasses on. Just remember, if someone has a white cane, they probably have some sort of visual impairment or no vision at all. So assume that they have trouble seeing or don't see at all, even though their eyes may look normal. I have many clients that have no light perception, their eyes look normal, and they don't use sunglasses. So you have to assume that someone with a white cane can't see. So one of the best things to do if you come across somebody with a white cane, and even if you know them and they know you, always introduce yourself. Hey, it's Carl. Or, hi, I'm Joe. Or something like, hi, Carl, it's Joe. Just so you can identify yourself, because sometimes it takes someone with a visual impairment a while to find you. They listen to your voice and they have to locate you. But knowing who they're locating helps out quite a bit. So always introduce yourself. Even though you know that person and they know you, 
let them know who it is that they're um, coming across. So always say, hi, it's so-and-so to identify yourself. Another thing, if you're traveling along a sidewalk or a hallway, always say, hi, it's Susie, I'm passing on your left. That way, the person with the visual impairment will know that someone's approaching them. There have been many times people have been walking towards me, and I'm walking on the side with a white cane. They'll quietly kind of sneak around me so that I don't hear them or see them. It's okay to identify yourself. It's okay to say hi to someone with a visual impairment. Remember, even though they may not see or see well, it's okay to say hi and be friendly and say hi to someone. And if someone is walking down a sidewalk or you see them looking puzzled or stopped, it's okay to ask if someone needs assistance. Hi, do you need assistance? Do you need directions? And then that person has a choice saying, oh, no, I'm fine. I'm just waiting for someone. Or no, I'm just looking around. Or if they do need assistance, they may say, yes, can you tell me what direction to go to get to the, the uh, Starbucks? And then you would give directions. And, or you can ask, would you like me to escort you? And then you could perform the human guide. And that's a great training. And you get used to helping someone with a visual impairment move from one location to another. One thing, if you're talking to someone with a visual impairment or a reduced field of vision, or with no light perception at all, always let them know when you're walking away. There have been many times that I'm talking to my son or to my girlfriend, and they didn't tell me that they walked away, and I'm still talking, and there's no one there. So always identify yourself when you're approaching someone, and also when you're walking away from someone. Let you know, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going around the corner now, or I'm going to my room, or something like that, to let them know that you're leaving their presence so that they won't be there talking to themselves. That's happened many times where I'm standing there talking, and then I finally look and realize, oh, that person's gone. So always identify yourself when you're walking up and walking away from someone. So one of the things we talked about a little bit was directions. Descriptive directions can help tremendously when you're talking to someone with a visual impairment. I've been on lessons with clients where they've been on scavenger hunts. They have to go to different buildings, uh, different businesses uh, in a strip mall or in a mall. And they go in and say, hi, can you give me directions to the uh, champ sporting goods? Or can you give me directions to the cleaners? And the person that the store they're in will have to give them directions to the next location they're going. But I've seen many times and heard from my clients, oh, when you leave, it's over there or it's that way. Well, to someone with a visual impairment over there and that way don't mean anything. So descriptive directions, and that could go for anybody, not only someone with a visual impairment, just in general with people that can see oh, when you exit the store, take a right and it's two doors down or two businesses down. Or when you leave the store, go past the water fountain or the water fountain and take a right and it's going to be your first business on your left. So very descriptive directions. Over there, over here, don't mean a thing. So, you know, let them know by directions. How many doors down? How many businesses they have to walk through? Uh, do you have to cross the street? So as much information as you can give to someone with a vision impairment is great. Or you can give them directions by using clock face. 
Sometimes you can say, well, when you exit the store, the uh, business is going to be at your 2 o'clock or at your 9 o'clock. Or if you're looking for an item in the store, say when you go towards the uh, back of the store, the item's going to be at your 3 o'clock. So you can use a clock face to give directions when you're traveling as well. If you're guiding someone, we're traveling in the hallway, and at your 2 o'clock is a water fountain. Or at your 1 o'clock will be the uh, front door to the uh, office that we're heading to. So you can use clock face or just simple descriptive directions, right, left, forward, back. So remember, directions are important to someone with a visual impairment. They can't just guess which way is which. So remember, over here, over there, don't really tell us a thing. If you own a business, a doctor's office, you know, it's good to have some kind of training with someone with a visual impairment. Learn how to do human guide, sighted guide, descriptive directions. That way you can assist that person as much as you can while they're in your business or using your facility. So businesses need to be accessible. What does that mean to someone with a vision impairment? Well, one of the best things to do is to have signage that can be easily read or felt by someone with a visual impairment. Office doors, your signs on your doors should have raised letters so that if someone doesn't see, they can feel the letters, the raised letters, and spell out the word that it says. The men's room has a raised lettering of M-E-N, and it also has a raised figure of a man. So someone with a visual impairment or no vision at all can feel the raised letters and spell out the word men or women. High contrast signage is also very important to someone with a visual impairment. I, for instance, I can see better if I can see a black print on white sign or white print on black sign. So high contrast is also very good for someone with a visual impairment. They can see the contrast and see the letters spelled out. Also, large print. If something is printed out on a sheet of paper on an office window, a doctor's check-in office, large print is better. I can see much better with print that is larger than print that is at a normal type. So that can also be of use to someone with a visual impairment. Braille, a lot of adults and children no Braille. If you have Braille signage as well, that also helps. A lot of people don't know Braille, so they're relying on the raised lettering. So those, those are one of the things that can be useful in a business. So if you're a business owner, a restaurant owner, you might want to consider something like that to help out uh, someone with a visual impairment. Also, truncated domes. What are those? If you're walking down a sidewalk and you come to a street corner, you notice on the ground this square plate that has bumps on it, might be made of plastic or concrete. What are those? You know, in my time as a certified orientation and mobility specialist, I've asked many people, hey, what are those on the ground? What are those for? And most people seem to think that they're for wheelchair users to keep them from sliding down that little ramp that goes into the street or to keep the wheelchairs from moving. Those are actually for cane travelers. If someone is traveling with a white cane, 
they feel those bumps, and if it's made out of plastic, that's even better because they can hear the difference from the concrete of the sidewalk to the plastic truncated domes. And that alerts a cane traveler that they're about to cross into a traffic area, about to cross a street, about to move across a busy driveway or a parking lot entrance. Those truncated domes are of great use to cane travelers. So if you own a business, you might want to check to see in front of your business, in front of your driveways, if there are truncated domes, because someone with a visual impairment and using a cane rely on those to know that they're not just going to walk into a street or walk into a busy driveway that goes in and out, in front of hospitals, in front of uh, busy restaurants. So those truncated domes are something you can check around your business to also see if you have them around or if you have like a U, a U, um a horseshoe-shaped driveway from your front entrance to the horseshoe driveway, you want to maybe have a truncated dome there so someone will not leave your establishment and continue walking into that driveway. So those are a great use to uh, cane travelers using those truncated domes. If you own a business, a grocery store, have something like a shopper's assistance. I know we use several grocery stores, Walmarts are very good, Winn-Dixie's are very good, for something called shopper's assistance. If someone with a visual impairment can go to customer service and say, I'm visually impaired, I need someone to help me assist, well then a worker is assigned to that person to help them make their grocery list and, and do their shopping. And we've done that many times. As I mentioned, Winn-Dixie and Walmarts are very good with shopper's assistance for someone with a visual impairment. So if you have a business or a, a boutique or uh, just a store, you may want to consider that if it's large enough that someone may need assistance to have an employee help them shop. That's great use to someone who gives them the confidence to go out and shop on their own and not have to rely on a family member. If, if that family member is not available, they can be able to go and shop and still get their things done with the assistance of someone that works at the store. That's a great uh, assistance and a great service to a customer so that they continue to spend at your establishment. We have technology now that is so great now. We have iPhones, Androids, you have voiceover where there's an accessibility uh, feature that the phone actually just talks and tells you everything that's on your screen by the swipe of a finger. It can tell you your apps on the screen. It can tell you a phone notes, calendar, as you're swiping, it reads the apps that are on your phone, and then you can double tap on them, open up that app, and then continue to swipe to listen to what features you want to use in that app. So technology now with iPhones and Androids are so great. Computers, there are computer programs called JAWS, where someone with no vision at all can use a computer. They can type, they can send emails, they can do everything they, they can with a sighted person can using the computer program called JAWS. ZoomText is another program that can enlarge the screen, the print on the screen. It can also read the screen. I use ZoomText because the cursors are so small on computers that I use ZoomText to make that computer cursor so big that I have no problems seeing it. So technology nowadays can help someone with no vision or low vision continue to work in the workforce, continue to do jobs using computers, 
There are apps now that can help so much on both Androids and iPhones. One app, for instance, is called Seeing AI, S-E-E-I-N-G-A-I. That is an app that can, if you open it up, it can tell you the colors that you're wearing. It can read the currency. How much, is it a $5 bill, a $4 bill? It can read the barcodes on items at the grocery stores and tell you what the item is, how much it is, what the weight is. It can also read text. You can take a snapshot of, of a document and it can read it to you. So there are many different uh, apps that can help with that kind of assistance. Also, there's GPS technology. There's apps that navigate that can help someone with low vision or no vision walk along the sidewalks, tell you what street corner is coming up, what intersection, how far it is to the next intersection. Some of those apps are called Lazarillo, Soundscape, Good Maps. So technology nowadays is really helping someone with a visual impairment or also with no vision at all. So we've gone through a whole lot of items here about visual impairment. How can you assist someone with a visual impairment? How to act around them. Just act normal, but be more verbal, more vocal, more descriptive in your directions. You can also help someone locate items by using a clock face. Well, it's on the table. Oh, going back to waiters. Waiters, if you're going to bring someone a, a drink of water, you can tell them, I placed your water at your 10 o'clock. Always announce that you're bringing something to the table. There have been so many times that a waiter's brought something to my table. I didn't see it there until a few minutes later. Oh, my water's here. Or, oh, the bread's here. Because a waiter didn't say anything. They came up. Now, yeah, they may not know I have visual impairment, but if you definitely have a visual impairment, waiters, waitresses, announce yourself when you arrive at the table. Tell where you're placing items to someone with a visual impairment. The bread is going to be placed at your 2 o'clock and also announce when you're leaving them as well. So many, many, many things that can be done for the sighted world to help someone with a visual impairment. I hope some of these have helped. And, uh, you know, it's okay to ask and offer assistance. If they say no, that's fine. But treat someone with a visual impairment like you would treat someone else. Verbal, vocal, and be assisting. You've been listening to the Public Affairs Show on WRBH Reading Radio for the Blind. I am Carla Redondo. Thank you for listening.